some words from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and be willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. One of the stranger stories that Jesus told concerns a man who made a real mess out of handling his master's property. The master called him in and demanded an account of his work. He knew the game was up and began to panic. And Jesus tells us a little of his inner monologue. I'm going to lose my job. I'd be rubbish at manual labour. And I'm too ashamed to beg. I know I'll use my position whilst I can and make myself some friends. Then when I'm sacked, they'll help me. And that's what he does. He gives people huge discounts on what they owe his master. Then the story has an odd ending. Rather than going ballistic at the steward, the master commends him for his shrewdness. And Jesus then adds, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. It's one of those stories that reminds me that we don't always listen to Jesus' stories with the same perspective as those first listeners in Galilee. If I told that story in church, I suspect most people would be quite appalled by the steward's behaviour. But chances are, most of those listening in Galilee would have no real sympathy for the master. Those they knew who had that kind of wealth would have been either Romans or Roman sympathisers. In the first century Galilee, more and more people were being driven into poverty and being forced to sell up land. More and more wealth was being concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. I know, not at all like 21st century Britain. But the end result was that most of those listening to Jesus would have quite liked the idea of the little guy getting one over on the big guy. Notice Jesus doesn't condone his behaviour, but he highlights we can be pretty astute at making what we have count to look after ourselves in this world. 
And if only we were so astute at making it benefit for God's kingdom, to make this world more as God intended, or use it in such a way that God will be really pleased with us. I thought about that story recently when our government had a recent budget review. During the dealing with the COVID pandemic has meant the government has spent eye-watering sums of money. Several of the biggest monthly budget deficits in history have been this year as the government has tried to protect our economy. But towards the end of last month, the Chancellor presented a spending review intended to show how we're going to try to recover the public finances. And the big headline the move was a reduction in the government's commitment of 0.7% of gross national income to international development. Personally, I find it quite sad. And the way that the reduction was tied towards dealing with poverty in our own country created the impression of an either-or scenario that I find quite distasteful particularly at a time when some companies who have done really, really well over the course of this pandemic, and let's be honest, most of them have used, most of us have used them quite heavily, pay remarkably low rates of tax. International development is a soft target. Surveys suggest that the majority of the country think we spend too much on overseas anyway. The idea that charity begins at home can be quite persuasive. And I'm well aware of stories that appear in the media of such money not being used as prudently as it might be, as if that doesn't happen in other areas of government expenditure. But the main reason I find it quite sad might surprise you, because it wasn't about charity or even necessarily about justice. Personally, I just find it short-sighted. At a time when we're already withdrawing from a major economic bloc, the European Union, and other countries like Russia or China are investing heavily in those regions which would have benefited from international development money, I've never really considered it charity. I've always considered it an investment which would benefit us when those countries that, that benefited from international development budget became more prosperous. We're investing in our wealth for the world of tomorrow, storing up treasure of, and goodwill in that world. I recognise, I recognise, there's very little that makes people want to switch for the off switch more quickly than the preacher starting on the politics. But actually, there is a reason why I mention it. It strikes me as an example of what Paul encourages each of us to do when he writes to his young apprentice, Timothy. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Just as the development budget can be an easy target for governments, so can the rich be easy targets for vicars. So let me just say this. In my life, I have met rich people who were kind, open and generous. And I have met rich people who were greedy and miserly. But I have also met poor people who were kind, open and generous. 
and poor people who were greedy and miserly. I'm more interested in dispositions than bank balances. The church has always been a mix of people across the socioeconomic spectrum. And it can be easy to think of Paul as a Spartan, joyless type. I've said this several times this year. I often think Paul gets a bad rep because he's horribly misunderstood. Paul talks a heck of a lot about thankfulness and joy. So either he was the least self-aware person in human history or he lived this stuff out. In the purest sense of the term, Christianity should be the most materialistic of faiths. At the heart is a God who takes on flesh. As I think it was C.S. Lewis said, God likes stuff. He must do. He made it. Notice even in today's reading, Paul speaks of God giving us everything for our enjoyment. How many people think of God wanting us to enjoy ourselves? However, wealth can entrap us. In his book, Inequality in the 1%, Danny Dorling talks about how the wealthy in us, wealthiest in our society Often, and those who fall within that kind of 1%, that top 1% economically, they often spend more time looking enviously upwards at those who have more than being grateful for what they have. But Jesus and Paul call us to a different way of life. Jesus speaks of storing up treasure in heaven. Paul speaks about doing good or being rich in good deeds, about being generous and willing to share. In my experience, those who are most generous tend to be the happiest in life because it stems from a place of gratitude at what they have. And that means they don't cling overly tightly to it. And I find that generosity in people right across the economic spectrum. How do we hear these words of Paul? Do we find them encouraging? Do they make us feel guilty? Do they make us want to turn off? Honestly. Remember we can bring this honestly to God. Knowing that he's not waiting to meet us as a judge with a big stick. But as a loving spirit. And a loving parent. Who wants what's best for us. And he knows that we're at our best in relationship with him. At the heart of this Christmas season, I really do hope that you enjoy yourself. I love Christmas. I'm not one of these figures who gets grumpy about all the materialism and commercialism. God has blessed us with what we have for our enjoyment. But may we discover the joy of generosity. May we not be short-sighted in the pursuit of pleasure. May we invest in the age to come by doing good and being rich in good deeds, being generous, and may we be willing to share what we have been blessed with. For in doing so, God promises we will discover what it means to be truly alive. Grace and peace to you. Amen.